healing is totally relational and it's about how you are in relationship to yourself. And I think the message that we get in this society is that when something's wrong, we go to somebody else to fix us. And I had to really like walk through that and untangle that programming and to ultimately realize that I'm my own healer and that my intuition is leading me. This is for the others out there, the other ambitious people who want to play at a higher level in their life. It's time to get curious and get real. Join me and together, let's find the others. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Find the Others podcast. I am your host, Joshua Church. Grateful to have you with us. New episodes are dropping every Wednesday and Sunday, so be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you can get the notification when a new episode comes out. And give me a follow on Instagram at Joshua Dean Church to catch different clips and highlights that I post. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, you find something that might be valuable, please be sure to share it with a friend who also might be into it so that together we can continue to grow our tribe of others. Today, I'm excited to bring you a fascinating conversation I had with Dana Pennenberg. Dana is a doula and radical birth keeper to mother and baby. She utilizes the modalities of craniosacral, somatic healing, inner child work, and birth regression, drawing on her knowledge of prenatal psychology. Her sessions combine her experience in all these modalities as well as the embodied knowledge gained from her 12-year recovery from chronic Lyme disease. She's devoted to the unfolding of the healing and birth process as a path to strength and purpose. She believes that when we repair our birth imprints, all of our relationships heal. Now, this is such a fascinating take, and we had a great conversation talking about all of these different modalities, what some of these words mean, and how these things actually look in practice, and through the lens of her exploring these in her own healing journey. It was a really interesting conversation. Be sure to give Dana a follow on Instagram, integrative underscore energetics underscore birth. The link is in the show notes and check out her full story and her offerings on her site as well, danapenenberg.com. And if you like this podcast, be sure to go check out episode number 21 with Dr. Sophia Costa and episode number 63 with Sarah Clement, both really interesting episodes as well. Alrighty, without further ado, please welcome Dana Penenberg. All right, we are live. Hello, hello. Welcome onto the show. Hi. How, how you doing? Thank Happy New you Year. Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing well. Yeah. Um, yeah, entering into 2022 pretty strong. That's good. That's good. I'm, I'm excited to hear more about that. Now, this conversation has been a long time coming. It was uh, several months ago we connected and we were we were sitting at the same table for dinner um, at the event here in San Diego at the business event we were at. And, uh, and I know we just started having a really great conversation and we started going down some like rabbit holes. And I said, you know what, we need to make sure we get you on the podcast so we can get this conversation recorded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That so. conversation really made an impact on me and, and you sharing that quote with me just kind of at this time in the world, it was, mm. it was really cool to connect with you in that way. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad because it had an impact on me too. Um, not only not not the quote that I shared, but which the quote is the foundation for everything. Was it the find the others quote that I shared? The Timothy Leary. The find one? the others quote. 
Yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's that's powerful. Yeah, especially today when there's a lot of isolation going on. There's a lot of um, surface level connection. There's a lot of connection based in fear and people getting wrapped up into fear, being able to connect with other like minded, empowered people that are choosing to control the controllables and and connect with others on that on that wavelength, I think is just so important. Yeah. And if your listeners haven't heard that quote, they need to check it yep, out. Yep. <laughs> that's it. It's it's on it. If, if you're listening, you haven't heard the Timothy Leary quote, go to episode one. It says start here, that episode. I share that in that quote. So if you're listening to it, go. That's a great spot to go start to check out. It's the foundation for everything. <laughs> so um, so we've got a lot of we got a lot of stuff to dig into. And I'm I, I, I'm genuinely curious here because you've got a very, very fascinating background, not only from your own personal health experience, but from the career path that you're on and the expertise that you have and some of the experience that you have is it's pretty mind blowing to me. So I, I know that some of the focus that you, you focus on currently in your career is craniosacral work, somatic healing and birth, birth work in general. Can you like, yeah. what, what else? And can you, can we start to like, just like dissect what that actually means? Well, I, maybe in order to understand what it means, I, I have to kind of explain how I arrived at all of yeah, this. Yeah, let's start there then. And it was really just like um, a passion for truth and wanting to know more and wanting to understand what healing really is in a world that is just trying to medicate us and fix us and band-aid us. And um, it started when I was 16. I guess it started before then. Because <laughs> started at birth. Didn't it start at birth, obviously? It started at birth. That's yeah. That's where everything began. And then I was just trying to understand what happened from there. And, uh, but my, I was born into a family where my father is an orthopedic surgeon, uh, one of the best hospitals in the country. And my mom, on the other hand, brought me up on homeopathy and herbs and organic food and never gave me antibiotics growing up. Mm. And I really didn't get sick growing up didn't catch the colds and things like that. And she would let me kind of um, play hooky sometimes because she felt bad that I didn't get a day off. Um, <laughs> so when fast forward to- Wait, sorry, before, was, before we fast forward, I'm going to just be poking yeah. and asking questions as we go through the story here. But what was that? What Was it in the same household or were your parents split or were you guys together? In the same in household. Okay. And so what was that, was that dynamic? Like, what was that dynamic? Like, was it, was it like contradicting or was it like mutually beneficial to have multiple perspectives? You know, I think he really trusted her and she did more of the hands-on care and he was kind of working most of the time. And I think they understood each other and, Mm. and he had an openness to it, but then, you know, down the line when I was 11, they did get divorced and he kind of chose that path yeah. a little bit more and, and closed off to mm-hmm. the opening that he had had. Um, so yeah, they did, they, they split up when I was 11 gotcha. and then fast, fast forward again to when I was 16, I, um, I don't know what it was. I can't put my finger on exactly one event, but it was kind of a perfect storm of things. Um, I got vaccinated and I traveled to India Mm -hmm. and, um, I had been pretty sick. Uh, yeah, it's just, there's so many (laughs) different timelines, but I had been pretty sick the whole time. I had digestive issues. 
and nothing worked. And, um, and then I came back and it just progressed. And one of the doctors told me that I had a parasite and that it would go away on its own. And then they tested me for metals and they found that I had arsenic poisoning. And oh. so I went on a whole like chelation protocol and, um, and then six months after I had gotten back from India, I just was flat out, like in bed, kind of flu, like mm. body pain and fatigue, things like that. And, and then we really started pursuing it. And, um, I was diagnosed with all sorts of things with mono fibromyalgia with MS. Mm. And it just kind of kept going on and on and on. And, um, and then finally, like, like in seeing all of the best specialists at my father's hospital, um, there was a lot of like invalidating of what I was experiencing. I would be like, like I, I was having lymphatic issues and I had these like visible lumps on my neck and I would point to, you know, what was happening to me. And some of the doctors would just be like, no, it's not happening to you. And you know, I was 16 and I was so terrified, like what's, what's happening to my body. And then these, these people that we had trusted that mm. were just telling me that it wasn't happening and that I could take medication if I wanted, but I needed to just get myself together and, and live a normal life again. Um, wow. and yeah, so ultimately the, the, the best options they had for me were antidepressants and painkillers. Really? And, um, yeah. And then my mom was just like fed up and she was mm -hmm. like, what's going on with her gut? Like this is multi-systemic and um, also my nervous system was really whacked out and I was having <laughs> mood swings and it was neurological as well. And, mm -hmm. um, and so we just like, we left, we, we did more Eastern modalities and Chinese medicine. And, and then, uh, about a year and a half into it, my mom did her own research and it, she discovered that I had all the symptoms of Lyme disease. And, um, and so she asked one of our doctors to order the correct blood panel. Mm -hmm. And, um, when that happened, I was like 17 um, it came back positive mm. and, um, I had already seen the rheumatologist and he gave me a different panel and it was negative. So that was an interesting thing that we had to like, and this was, oh my gosh, when was this 10, um, 13 years ago. Mm -hmm. So, uh, the world knew a lot less about Lyme disease, especially if you were in LA yeah. And there was, there was a lot of denial and, um, especially if it was chronic, like if you didn't literally see the tick on you and have the rash, um, which was what, what happened in my case. And, um, anyway, by the time we arrived at the Lyme doctor, they call them Lyme literate MDs. Um, I, my cat might be hanging out I, here. I love, I love, there's a cat. Oh, what's up, kitty? There's a bell. This seems like Phoenix. a beautiful kitten. Phoenix. Nice. Phoenix he is very is into this conversation. 
<laughs> nice, He's Phoenix. You can tune in. You can keep. You can keep hanging here while we're getting to the juicy part of, of Dana's story. Let's keep. Let's hear it. <laughs> yeah. So by the time I arrived at the the Lyme physicians, um, based on like he kind of tracked my symptom history, and I was like, oh yeah, I had this weird rash when I was thirteen, and oh yeah, I spent summers on the mm. East Coast uh, growing up, and. Um, and so he said, you know, based on your symptom history, you've had it about seven years. And uh, so, and one of the Lyme doctors told me that like, I was, he looked at my immune markers and he said, you're in the top 10% worst cases we've ever seen. Oof. And um, so for the first time in my life, I did like really aggressive antibiotic protocols. And um, I was one of the lucky or unlucky ones that that didn't work for <laughs> and it just like kept going on and on and I kept getting more sick within that paradigm and um, they call it a Herxheimer reaction where like when you're killing the infection you get sick as it's dying and it emits neurotoxins and yeah it's like a whole detox thing um, and they kept telling me I was going to turn a corner and I never saw that corner <laughs> Mm. And, um, so yeah, it was like, it was intense. It was terrifying. And, um, and then we just, we just kept having to like drop it and try other things. And we did a lot of kind of experimental medical, like ortho, orthomolecular medicine, intravenous nutrients and amino acids and ozone and things like that. Um, and then kind of more of the holistic, Lyme treatment that that the doctors had to offer and got me through college and um were, 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 sim- were symptoms like getting were you getting better slowly or just kind of managing or up and down I have, I have a friend who has who has Lyme disease as well and it was it's it was like really really rough and then he kind of got got up and but it's still a little bit it's still kind of up and down so i'm curious like i mean yeah well i can say like um the reason that i diverted from the the aggressive antibiotics was that i just kept going down and down and down and down and Mm. i had i got these new symptoms that i'd never had before i was extremely environmentally allergic like any smells they would just like cause me to have these really volatile reactions and Mm. Um, I had intense like head pain and liver pain and I, um, it just kept going down and I, my doctor was like ready to send me to the emergency room. And, um, I said, you know what, like, that's just going to stress me out more. Like, they're not even going to know what's going on with me because they deny that Lyme disease exists. Like, it's not going to be helpful at all. I'm just going to take myself off of this shit. And Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, yeah, go for it. <laughs> um, so I did that and I like scrounged up some money I had from the family. And um, then I uh, I took myself to this doctor that I researched about in Kansas and I did his protocol and he helped me like detox a lot of that and just go more onto a holistic protocol. It, this is a really long story. He ended this, up, I went to see him three times and he ended up telling me like he ultimately couldn't help me Hmm. but he did help me like get off of some things and I appreciated even though it was heartbreaking I appreciated his honesty because 
I have experienced um, medical professionals that didn't have that honesty and that kept me on just the merry-go-round and, and enjoy that paycheck. So, um, <laughs> so anyway, I got through college, like I said, on like more holistic protocols and I got myself out of that major dip. Mm-hmm. And then it was, it was kind of up and down and up and down. And, uh, after college, I felt we, we had gotten connected to this constitutional homeopath and I felt like it was safe to try getting off of those holistic medicines. What, what, sorry, what's a constitutional homeopath? Yeah. Uh, a constitutional homeopath is. I was explaining this to you at dinner, but um, you got to understand homeopathy first. Homeopathy is the premise of it is that like treats like. So an example, an easy example to understand this is belladonna. That's a common remedy. So belladonna is poison. It's a poisonous berry. And, um, and the symptoms it causes are like nausea and vomiting. So if you have nausea and vomiting, you can take the belladonna homeopathic. And so what a homeopathic is, it's not the actual material. It is diluted so many times, sometimes hundreds of times, so that it's the absence of the substance. And it's kind of an energy medicine. And so constitutional homeopathy, kind of taking that premise is that they do a full reading on your constitution, like your temperament, your emotional temperament, mm-hmm. your uh, symptom tendencies, and how your body, you know, deals with things, deals with stress. And then they do this full comprehensive reading, and then finding a remedy that's a match for your constitution, for your system, like a blueprint for you. And so then you're treating in various different potencies. And so I take a remedy like once every four weeks or so. And then um, it takes you through a healing process that's more like an unraveling. They call it retracing. And so this is um, switching from material input, like a lot of the um, the holistic line treatments I was doing, they ended up being such a burden on my system because even though they were natural substances and supplements, they were still like this load that my body like couldn't register all the time. It was like a lot and of vitamins and a lot of different supplements and stuff like that, all natural occurring. Obviously, yeah, and, still taking a lot. A lot of supplements and some injectables and things like that. Like it was even just the practice of injecting myself was um, traumatic every day. Mm. And so there's the psychology piece of it too, like, you know, taking handfuls of pills and um, it like keeps reinforcing that you're sick. Like there's so many different aspects to it that we're no longer working. And it's also like, it's putting the body on manual. When I was really looking for like, how does my body find its balance, its homeostasis, its resilience in all these different ways and emotionally. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, homeopathy really like was that missing piece. And I had tried it before 
but the practitioner got the remedy wrong and it absolutely didn't work. It just had Mm. no effect. And that's the thing with homeopathy, which is cool, is that if you take the wrong remedy, nothing bad happens, really nothing happens. So um, but thankfully, yeah, just at the right moment on my journey, I found this wonderful homeopath and, um, and I, it, I went through a process of detoxing those medicines, those natural medicines out of my system and uh, I've gone through a retracing process. And sometimes it looks like old symptoms come back for a little bit of period of time and then it clears and I get to a new level of strength and wellness. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's, it's great. Like I said, it's root cause healing. It is honoring the intelligence of the body and it's not like, yeah. I mean, when you do a protocol, it's information to your body. Like I said, like taking these handfuls of pills, injecting myself, that gives the message to my body that it doesn't know what to do or that it's broken. (laughs) Um, so the psychology of, yeah, just taking a few little pellets once every four or five weeks. And I don't think about it the rest of the time, you know? Yeah. And, and so would you say that the homeopathy solutions, the homeopathic solutions, really made the big difference for you healing and are you still is that something you're still involved with are you still still on protocols with that are you still still using solutions like that or what how are you feeling now yeah i mean in so many ways it was just the answer that i was looking for it was in alignment with me and what i believe we're capable of what i believe our bodies are capable of and um Yes, I'm still on a protocol and I'm still doing this, but I'm better than ever. Amazing. And I think, you know, even just living like things come up and, um, you know, in order to meet the moment of life, like we want to keep up our, our body's capacity. So, um, yeah. and then, you know, back around to like how I got to do what, what I do is that I had seen my craniosacral teacher. He's a practitioner here in LA. And um, I had seen him like been on his table for about 12 years. And then when I finished college, I went and studied with him. And um, it just like was really full circle. And it also was just so in alignment with what I had come to, what I've been looking for this whole time is Mm -hmm. like how to listen to the body, how to honor its intelligence and its self-healing capability. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to hear, I want to hear more about the craniosacral work, but I just can't, I'm, I'm, I want to ask you, like, it seems like there was a shift that happened around your kind of taking empowerment or your empowerment or taking control of your own healing process, where at first it seemed like it was going to the doctors, it was going to the specialist, but ultimately kind of evolved to you taking control of yourself. What do you feel like, if you can speak to your relationship with that, but what do you feel like you see it being a healing practitioner as well now? Like, what are most people's relationships towards either doctors or specialists or healers or whatever it might be, fixing their problem versus them fixing it themselves? That's a really good question. And healing is totally relational. And it's about how you are in relationship 
to yourself. And I think the message that we get in this society is that when something's wrong, we go to somebody else to fix us. And I had to really like walk through that and untangle that programming and to ultimately realize that I'm my own healer and that my intuition is leading me. Mm. And when, uh, when I make a wrong turn, my body lets me know that my body is, it's so intelligent. The way that I look at the body now is like, um, I'm just trying to think if I'm answering your question. But, you are, you're, um, you're, you're hitting a nail on the head. I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying this. Yeah. How do you think of your body now? I'm curious. The body now, the way that I look at it is like, it's like a baby, like a small child. Like it's, um, and it's like, it's the interface to the soul. Mm. And, um, and so like, if we think about the way that we treat our bodies and the way that we talk to our bodies, and I, I go through this with a lot, a lot of Leslie's clients as well, because they're coming from diet mentality. Um, and you know, there's a lot of body hatred in that mindset and the body's wrong and we need to change it. Um, but yeah, if you look at, at all of that, would you ever treat a small child that way? Or like Mm. a child that just needs help and is, is trying to tell you that it needs something, you know, and how do we, how do we bridge that again? Like reclaim that dialogue between the soul through the body. Yeah. And that's how I work with my clients. Like if there's a symptom, the body is saying something and, and the soul needs something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a really interesting way of looking at, um, that was a big perspective shift I had when I was uh, having back pain a number of years ago and I was in LA and I, and I worked with a physical therapist who like finally understood yeah. me and like, and spoke a language that I understood as well. And she was more than a physical therapist. She was a very talented. She, she was on this podcast as well. So anybody listening, go check out her episode as well uh, with Dr. Sophia Costa. I'll put the, put the link in the show notes, but, uh, she, she helped me reframe this idea that pain is just feedback from the body, right? Pain is your body trying to tell you something when something's not working, like the back pain, instead of viewing it as this horrible thing. And I want it to go away. It's like, no, what is this trying to teach you? Like, what, what is this showing you? This is, this is, this is giving you feedback on something. And and now that you have the feedback, you can bring your attention towards it and start the healing process. So that was such a powerful shift. It sounds like that's what you incorporate too. Yeah. And there's different lenses to view that through, like, um, in Eastern modalities, they say that the, the organs carry emotions, like the liver holds anger, the spleen holds worry. And so sometimes like I incorporate that knowledge set or that lens. Um, there's a doctor named Dr. Sarno as well. And he wrote a lot about how the body holds emotion. And his main, his main thing was that uh, back pain is anger. Hmm. So um yeah. Interesting. So, so let's, let's go back to this. So you started at what point did you realize, okay, I want to focus my, or maybe you were always felt this way, but I want to focus on not only healing myself, but now I want to focus on healing others. So at what point did that shift happen? Or I want to go deeper in learning these, some of these modalities. It happened for me when I was in college and, um, I was a dancer before I got sick. And when I went to college, they had, um, I chose Bennington because they had a wonderful dance program. They do have a wonderful dance program. And it was 
a lot different. Uh, you know, I grew up learning ballet and learning these very structured movements. And uh, when I studied dance at Bennington, they kind of married experiential anatomy and knowledge of the body with movement and creating our own choreography. Mm. So it was really like paralleled my healing journey and um, my relationship to the medical system and like structures that are imposed on the body or like things that come from within. And um, interesting. What was your question again? Where was um, that going with it? I don't know, honestly, but I feel like that was very, very interesting. Oh, at what point did you, um, you got me thinking about Oh yeah, uh, when I started, stuff. okay. Yeah. It wasn't <laughs> like one point, but it was the, it was the whole journey that led up to it. And then it was like discovering movement in that way or rediscovering movement in that way. And then, and studying psychology and um, somatic kind of techniques and um and body work and then i had done, i was doing this dance internship in new york and i just came across this reiki training and i was like oh that sounds interesting and i spent a weekend doing that and the teacher as well she the way that she opened the circle she introduced herself and she said that she had also recovered from chronic lyme disease and she used mm. reiki and so I was just like, that's it. She's my teacher. I'm going to learn with her. And um, I took it the whole way through the master training. And I was a sophomore in college. And I started just offering students sessions in my little apartment in Vermont. And um, so that's where I started working with clients. Very cool. Very cool. And, and, uh, and, and, and tell me a little bit more about the craniosacral work specifically. Okay, so um, it comes from the lineage of osteopathy. Yeah, I don't know if you is that bones. Um, no. It's kind of it, it works with the spine and alignment okay. of the spine and the cranial bones, and it's similar to chiropractic, like a, with a focus on the spine being um, reflective of of the whole system. Hmm. And so, what is working specifically with the fluid in the spine? and with the fascia, the soft tissues. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's very gentle and it's, um, and it's also energetic. And so the, the way that I most resonate with these teachings is that when we are babies in, in the womb, fetus in the womb, we're surrounded by that amniotic fluid. And then the, the cord develops, it sucks up that fluid. And that becomes the uh, cerebrospinal fluid that we carry with us for the rest of our lives. Hmm. And it has a rhythm to it and it's different than the pulse. It's different than the circulation. Um, it's its own unique rhythm. And it's like a fingerprint to each person. It's different really? in everyone. Yeah. And so a lot of it, um, it corresponds with a lot of ancient teachings that talk about um the, the essence or the soul living in the spine. And so, and then they've also documented the, um, the waves that it has different waves and currents that ripple out into the energy field. There's, there's video footage of this. It's pretty cool. Whoa. You're gonna have to send me that. So you're, you're, you're <laughs> I to, saying search and find yeah. it again. But yeah. yeah. Wow. So, so you're saying that there's like, like we have a heartbeat, like we have, 
you know the a, a pulse that's of, of blood that's that's flowing through our our body we have some sort of rhythm or pulse or wave that's in the in the fluid in our spine yes interesting and that comes from the womb when we're in the womb in the amniotic mm-hmm. fluid that becomes part of the the fluid in the spine yeah and so my training in craniosacral was to listen to that rhythm and to work with that in the energy field, as well as in the soft tissues of the body. And it really puts you in a deep relaxation, like in a deep parasympathetic state Mm -hmm. so that your nervous system naturally unwinds and releases the held patterns, the traumas, and people will have different, like different ways of releasing. Sometimes they'll have little twitches or like, um, shaking or chills Mm -hmm. as, as things leave, but it's really a gentle way. And it allows the body to release as it's ready because there is a lot of stuff out there now that's, that's very activating. And, and as opposed to something like breath work, it's very, like it brings your system up and up and up and up and you can have a big release, but this is Mm -hmm. more of like a gentle, easeful, dropping and it's in. hands-on hands-on physical work yeah and and i i do like listen in the energy field which is off the body and then it's it's hands-on kind of a mm. gentle touch i feel like like the technique is like i'm handling a baby um yeah. <laughs> you can tell i love birth and babies yeah. um <laughs> Yeah. And how do you listen to that? I mean, is that some of the intuitive, uh, energetic component of it? Um, or is there other instruments that you use or like, how do you listen to that? Through my hands. Through your hands. Yeah. And, um, when I went through my training, I had to discover like how I perceived the information and, you know, um, they'll, they say like, there's, clairvoyant there's the clairs like clairvoyance clairsentience clairaudience and people can receive information through all the different senses Mm -hmm. and my way of perceiving information was kind of more in my hands and my body Mm -hmm. and um I remember when I was first like exploring how I received information um I was working on this woman's like was it her left hip and my body started just like turning to the right and um this was a while ago I'm trying to remember exactly what happened yeah but I was like did something happen in your your left hip and she had this flashback of and this is graphic she had a flashback of being raped by a doctor so um yeah, it was just like, that was, I think the the reason I brought that up, it was just like the first moment that I realized that I was, I was tapping in with mm. the person. Very powerful. Wow. So this has led you on to just this, this healing, this, this journey now of healing other people in, in your practice. What other elements do you bring into the healing work that you do? Like, how do you work with people in these different modalities? Yeah. So uh, along with my craniosacral work, my mom is a therapist. And so she mentored me a lot in inner child work and somatic work. And so I do a combination of the craniosacral and working with the inner child. 
Um, and so I'm addressing the energy field, what's, what's held in the body, and then also what's, what's living in the subconscious. Mm. So I do kind of very comprehensive um, look at all of that and tailor it to the individual. Um, and then that ended up leading me with that, with that exploration, that inquiry, um, I'm trying to think of, yeah, the way that I would do intake with people, which started getting light bulbs to go off was I would look at all of their symptom history. And then I would look at, um, what happened in their life in tandem. And there was always something emotionally that, that set off the illness. And so I would take them back to those places. And then I felt like I was kind of chipping away and I wanted to really get to the source to just pull that thread and unravel the whole thing. And that ended up being birth and birth regression and taking people back to their birth. And I always on my intake ask people how they were born and um, it just illuminates everything. Interesting. Wow. That's, I, I, and I know we have, we're going to have a separate conversation around this too, but like, you know, I I was born, my lung collapsed minutes after I was born. So I was like born into a state of stress and and trauma and, and had to, and they didn't know if I had brain damage as well and had a long, like, yeah, long, long labor. I came out with like a cone head because I got stuck in the birth canal. So they had to do an emergency C section and then my lung collapsed a few minutes after. So I was in the, uh, I was in the, the the NICU for for a bit for for quite a bit before so there was definitely a lot that went on at my birth so now you got me thinking like I'm wondering how that like how that played an impact in other injuries that I've had and just in my life in general throughout the years but it is an interesting thing to think about yes and oh my gosh there's so much to unpack there I really wanted to give you a session before we had this conversation yeah. but I think you had some resistance. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess I had some resistance to it, but now there's no resistance. So I'll report back no, to all the listeners. Feel... <laughs> yeah. okay. I'll report back to all the listeners. I'll do another little follow-up session and I'll, I'll report yeah, back the I findings. Would, I would love to explore that with you. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, I mean. Is that what the... you do in these sessions? You, you do like a regression. It's like a regression back to the birth. Yes. And then we look at your birth and we look at your patterning. Um, And the easiest way to understand how it's living in your body and your nervous system is if you think about what happens when you leave the house, when you go from point A to point B. And I could say for myself, like Mm -hmm. what I discovered, because I was induced and it was a quote unquote natural induction, but it, it interfered with my timing and it interrupted my sense of timing. So um, the doctor swept the membranes and I was born in an hour and totally like in shock. And so as a young child, like this was very prominent in me, but like I I moved so slowly when I had to leave the house and my mom would have to like take my older sister to school and then come back and get me. She like... She really honored that about me, but now as an adult, I've done more work around it because I notice that if, if I don't like walk through it mindfully, I will leave my body. And then at the last moment I'll be rushing. (laughs) Interesting. So there's different patterns you can kind of 
extrapolate from the birthing process of someone into into different tendencies i mean seemingly personality traits would you go that could you go that far yeah you know and it's um it really impacts relationships Mm. especially you know you're bringing up separation at birth especially those clients of mine i have a client who was separated from her mother for seven hours and she is really like working on having a successful romantic relationship and that's that's taken some some inquiry Mm. um and uh she also experiences like um kind of an emotional delay that when something happens it takes her like seven hours to register what happened or what she feels about it so that's an interesting parallel but yeah, and then and then anytime you go out into the world in a new way in career or you're putting yourself out there, it triggers the birth memory. Interesting. So and, yeah. And you've had a you've had quite an experience with with the birthing process, right? Because you've you've tell me a little bit more about your experience with the with the birthing process in terms of your facilitation around it and uh yeah your your career experience around it okay so i after figuring out that that birth healing was like the missing piece and um i studied pre and perinatal psychology and then the next step for me was clear that i needed to be be there and be at the birth and set the foundation for life. And, um, and so the, the option that seemed available to me was doula training. And so I went through a doula training and I was just like, great, this is my invitation to the birth. This is my in. And um, I'm grateful for my training, but there were a lot of missing pieces for me which um, I felt like they didn't honor the perspective of the baby. And like, I was kind of trained to keep my mouth shut and just make a woman feel more comfortable with the Mm -hmm. interventions that she might undergo. Um, And so, and then the language as well is really changing in the birth world. Um, We were encouraged to say birthing person to be inclusive, which, you know, on the one hand is really great, but on the other hand, like we're no longer honoring the word woman and mother. Mm, Interesting. And what effect have you seen that that has? You know, it's just, it's very confusing. It's worrisome to me. It feels Mm. like we're going back in time and, you know, there's a lot that we don't know yet. Like there's a a lot of kind of stuff in the media now that, that men can give birth to. And this is, this is a woman who decided to be a man and then use her female reproductive organs to give birth. Mm -hmm. There's, there's a lot we don't know, but it, it does feel like we are, it's dishonoring of women in a way mm, yeah, and, and like it's it's a step backwards in some ways and and of course like I'm 
I want to hold an inclusive space. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, that's a really interesting perspective. It's yeah, so- a hot topic, and I might get myself in trouble for <laughs> saying some of these things. <laughs> no worries. Hey, at find the others. We are all about. Uh, we are inclusive in the in the in the nature that everybody has has a right to their own opinion, and that's the purpose of this: is hearing other people's perspective and, yeah, and understanding. So, you know what I'm saying? Yes, and it just like clearly that scene that wasn't really resonating with me. And I thought that I could just like be quiet and like do things on my own terms. And, um, but but they were going as far as that, like, is like when in the training, they were telling you, like, you have to refer to this person, not as the woman or the mother, but as the birthing person. Is that like, is that what you're saying? Yes. Wow. To be politically correct and to be inclusive. Yeah. Damn. So, um, there's just, there's a lot that no longer resonated with me. Yeah, with yeah. That. Um, I was supporting women in birth, um, thinking that I could help them, but you know, under it and, and thinking that like, it was a good practice for me to put all of my biases aside and just be present for a woman, mm-hmm. but it was no longer in service of the woman because, she basically entering birth in this country is like walking through an active landmine. And if I'm supposed to stand by her and be quiet as she like gets burned, like that's not Mm. helpful. Mm. So what did Um, you do? So I found, um, I found my current teacher teachers and I found this school that I really resonated with and they were speaking to these topics. And I feel like, like there's so much silence right now because of cancel culture Mm -hmm. and a lot of kind of doula trainings are getting canceled and getting in trouble for not fitting under these tight restrictions um, and playing that game. But uh, these women are like actively speaking against it and um, talking to these, these issues and, having the difficult conversations and really like preserving the original intention of midwifery and serving women. Mm -hmm. Um, So I went through the, what's called the radical birth keeper school. And so I am switching, you know, I'm no longer calling myself a doula. I'm a radical birth keeper and I am helping women and empowering them. And I'm not Mm. keeping my mouth shut anymore (laughs) about what is harmful and what, what I know to be true. And, and I trust women to like hold their own. If, if they disagree with me, that's great, you know, and just, yeah. That's amazing. That's beautiful. Wow. It's, I'm just like laughing that like that idea has become radical. You know what I'm saying? Like that idea now has to be radical because it's, it's, it's so radical. That's insane. But that's, uh, that's powerful. I'm glad to hear that there are people speaking up and, and honoring that process in a way that feels right for them. And like you said, and everybody's open to how they want to interpret and perceive and, and open to the process that they want on their own. But, um, that's, that's yeah. pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, it's been a process for me of like, even though I'm so holistic, like even untangling even more and, um, and then just be, being able to hold that space and give that back to women as an option. Absolutely. So are you, are you being, are you active in birthing processes now through that? 
process? Are you still like a radical birth? Are like as a radical birth keeper, are you present and helping women through the birthing process? On a yes, like right now, cool. I am. Mm-hmm. And so, um, also, what what you need to know about birth is like there's a lot of talk about natural birth, mm-hmm. and there's a different natural birth isn't really natural anymore. It still involves intervention. Um, there's a difference between natural birth and physiological birth. And that was what, what my recent training was in mm. how to support the, the natural physiological process. So yeah, natural birth can involve like natural interventions. Um, I guess we could take induction as a topic, like, mm. uh, women do a lot of things to get labor going, even though they're natural, like you can eat a bunch of dates and you can drink castor oil and, um, you can get a membrane sweep and it's, it's still called a natural birth, but it's, um, it's interrupting the natural physiological process. In my perspective, it's interrupting the timing of the baby. Mm. So, um, physiological birth on the other hand is really like, if you think of, have you ever seen an animal give birth? Not besides like on TV shows and like, you know, planet earth and stuff like that. Not in the, not in the wild. That was one of the big light bulbs that went off for me was our initial conversation in the school was she had asked all of the women if they had ever seen an undisturbed birth. And one of the women just said that she had seen an animal give birth. And basically when an animal gives birth, you step away. (laughs) She knows what to do. And, um, and so there's a whole like hormonal genius to what happens in the whole birth process. And when we are having bright lights and when we're coaching and talking and intervening, we're interrupting that those natural hormones of um, endorphins, oxytocin, and oxytocin is the bonding hormone as well as it like stimulates like milk production. It stimulates the contraction of the uterus. Um, so all of the oh, the whole medicine cabinet basically is internal. Yeah, and- no, that's that's something that I I was just talking with a friend about yesterday as well, which is this idea that. Um, which is this idea that like we have a we have a pharmacy within our bodies, right? Like yes. waiting, waiting to be waiting to be tapped into and used in, in the right way and we can access it too, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And so coming from like doula training, doulas are trained to really like coach and do and mm-hmm. fix and give suggestions about like things to take. Um, and so physiological birth support or radical birth support is more just like honoring her protecting the space Mm -hmm. and um, in my perspective I would just like encourage her to walk through the fire because it's a really intentional fire that birth walks you through and I think that you know it really parallels what I found in birth healing and the birth birth process itself is if you are fully open to it it can heal your lineage and it can heal your birth imprinting. Very, very interesting. I, I learned, I actually, the night that we were talking was the day before my sister went into labor to give birth to her first kid, my nephew. 
and uh, and so just being on the sideline throughout that process of her going through her pregnancy and giving birth and her intentionality towards the birthing process as well and, and choosing things like not to get a um uh what's the when they numb your whole body what's that what's that called the epidural the epidural yeah thank you clearly i know nothing <laughs> um yeah and, and just like yeah, choosing to, to go natural in those ways um it was really interesting and it made me think about the birthing process really as like this very sacred ritual process and a very important and a and a very intentional process that I had never thought of it that way before. And maybe just cause I'm, uh, you know, a guy, but maybe not, I don't know, but it, but it opened up my, my, my eyes to thinking about this as a, and, and what you said right there really resonates about the idea of like walking into the fire and trusting your innate ability for, for, for delivering and trusting your ability to ability to, to heal as well, which I think is a pretty cool concept. Yeah. And kind of going back to what we had said about like the emotional aspect of healing and if there, if birth is halted in any way, it's like, let's look at what's going on emotionally and let's have a release. Let's like release some fear or anger and, and that will open the pelvis. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, also speaking to your, your mindset shift that like um, doctors, OBs are trained surgeons and in the medical paradigm, birth is kind of viewed as a sickness or a medical event, whereas it's really like, it's a sign of health and it's life-giving. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's anything but a sickness, like for your body to be able to carry a baby full term, that's a glorious sign of health. Yeah. And, um, you know, there, there's a lot of things to contend with. Like if you, something happens, if you'd walk through the medical system, if you'd rather walk through the medical system or go through it in the safety of your own home, mm -hmm. you know? Um, yeah, that's the thing that, you know, I keep coming to. And I think that the the center that my sister went through was like attached to the hosp hospital too. So like if they, if they needed to have some sort of intervention or they needed the support that the medical system could give in that way that they had access to, but, but I'm, mm -hmm. I'm sure that, that the, you know, as I, again, I know nothing, but I can imagine that infant and mother mortality rates were a lot higher before the, 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 the modern medicine, uh, modern medical system came into place. But like what you're saying that with that also there, there, there doesn't have to be so black and white, right? Like there can be a middle way. Yeah. Um, well, the middle way, <laughs> Um, I think, you know, from the radical birth perspective, like a lot of us would say if something were to go wrong and weigh, really weighing the pros and cons of what goes on in a hospital and what they would do to intervene mm -hmm. that, and, and even take stillbirth as an example, like, would you rather go through that process in the safety of your own home and kind of go through the grief in, in a protective way or, be at a hospital where, you know, they'll take the baby away from you or, you mm -hmm. know, do all kinds of like medicalize the whole thing. And, and in a lot of cases that adds a lot more trauma rather than just like going through the natural course of grieving. Mm -hmm. So I know that's a, it's a heavy topic and yeah. it's something yeah. that like we all need to really ask ourselves. And we are, a lot of us kind of trauma bonded to the system and it takes work to untangle that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation. I've learned an absolute ton through <laughs> speaking with you and hearing more about your story and hopefully the listeners have too. Is there, uh, as we wrap up here, and there definitely will be a, a, another episode where I share my experience doing a session with you, but uh, is there anything that you want to share with the listeners as we uh, as we wrap up here? Um, I just really have enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for your brilliant questions and your curiosity. And um, I know like I'm probably way farther along in this journey than you are. And I just, I respect where you're at too. And I really honor your curiosity. And I think I would just encourage everybody listening to like, to follow that curiosity. If this conversation brought, brought up like, like a light bulb went off or they they want to know more about something like really do some more research and, mm -hmm. and ask yourself these hard questions about your relationship to yourself and your relationship to the system and what's really in service of your highest good. Um, and yeah, reach out to me if you would like. Awesome. Uh, yeah. We'll make sure that we get all your info as well in the show okay. notes so people can, people can reach out with questions or any interest in, 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 in learning more about the work that you do too. Cool. Thank cool. you so much. All right. It's been a pleasure. And uh, yeah. until next time, thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye.